When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're going to have a great show tonight, and with me in the studio this evening is Stacy Grant. And Stacy is the founder and CEO of Koifly Creative, which we'll find out where that name came from, uh, a video production and content marketing company right here in the Philadelphia area. Uh, Before we get started, I want to remind you, during the breaks, you'll hear from our amazing watch team of on-air contributors, bringing you the latest information on your health, finance, technology, leadership, and diversity. So be sure to stay with us as we go into our breaks. And our audience is continuing to grow, and we love hearing from you. So please stay connected socially. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at women to watch And if you enjoy the show, you can help us by rating and subscribing to our podcast. Uh, Simply visit womentowatch.net and sign up. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T, and be sure to sign up. So now I'm thrilled to welcome to the show Stacey Grant. Stacey, hi. hi. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great that you could be here with me, and um, I'm really looking forward to sharing your story. I think it's interesting for many different reasons, and I want to start with your beginning and give the listeners a sense of where you came from. Um, And I understand you were born in Massachusetts, but at a very young age moved to Philadelphia. So what brought the family here? My dad at the time had finished up business school at Harvard and my mother had finished up art school also in Boston and um, my father got a job here in Philadelphia actually at a company called Cook and Beeler. It's an investment firm. So he started working here and we moved here from Boston. Okay. And, you know, um, you had mentioned to me when you were very small in the in the beginning, um, things were tight financially for the family. And, you know, um, you described growing up poor. You know, that word has a lot of connotations, and I want to know what you think of when you remember those very early years. They were awesome years, actually, and it's it's interesting now because I know money means so much to everyone, but at the time, um, it was just so easy. You know, we I remember just sitting at the table with my parents and my sister, and we just um, we had tuna fish casserole and um, peas and Swanson dinners and... Um, the favorite thing for me was actually getting clothes for my neighbors. Um, 
I would come, I'd be playing outside and I'd see on our porch like these big uh, plastic bags full and I knew they were full of clothes. And I just would get so excited knowing that I could like try on some clothes, you know, that my neighbor, the neighbor girls had worn and they were all so beautiful and I wanted to be just like them. So, I mean, I don't have any bad memories of those times. But did you know that that you were perhaps not as, you know, uh, well off as, as your neighbors or I don't think it ever crossed my mind. I was yeah. pretty young, um, and we had all the necessary things. Um, we just didn't travel that much, um, and I didn't go shopping. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't go out and go <laughs> shopping. But otherwise, I mean, it, it's it didn't it it didn't strike me as being really that we were that that we were not well off. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was what you knew. It's what I knew. It's what you knew. Yeah. So um, at some point you moved to a beautiful farm in Pennsylvania, 40-acre farm. I love the picture you shared with us when you were younger. Um, tell me uh, about that experience living in that open space. Yeah. So my father in the 80s, you know, in investments went crazy. So suddenly we had money and um, we joined a country club and we had this we built this beautiful custom home up up in the um, hills of Malvern on 40 acres. And we had a swimming pool. And it was like, it was crazy, but I really appreciated it because I hadn't had any of those things in the past. And I know, like, the, the picture that I shared with you, um, that was actually the first dress I ever went shopping for with my mom. Oh, um, wow. So it was, like, it was super special to me. And I, I remember, too, it, it, the dress has, like, a white sort of, like, swale on it. Mm-hmm. And I got it. I got it dirty. I threw it in the wash myself, and oh, no. I never could wear it again. Oh, so no. <laughs> yeah, so it was it, it was sad. But that day, um, in that picture, I was standing out in my yard and in my dress and in your pose. The world was my oyster. You yeah, know? yeah, so, I love yeah. that. Yeah, um, you had shared with me. Uh, you know, you had a really beautiful, supportive relationship with your dad, and I always find it interesting. You know, when I'm talking to women and the ones who kind of have a closeness with their father who really supports them and tells them you can be anything you want to be. Um, that has a lasting effect. Tell me about your dad and how he shaped the woman you are today. Yeah, I mean, we had an awesome relationship, and he was the kind of guy that, you know, if I was ever sad about anything, he would come up and tell me why it was actually a good thing. Like, if I ever mm-hmm. lost, like, we played soccer as kids. If I ever lost a soccer game, he was like, it's good because we learned. You know, you never learn anything when you win. And, like, the, the things, the lessons that he taught me growing up, like, still resonate, like, every day. Um, but he, you know, he was a great guy. Like, we had a close relationship. He was, we were able to talk. We would take walks together. He was famous for, like, coming in. We were watching television, which wasn't that often. I mean, back then, like, I'm going to age myself. But, like, a lot of the shows were, you know, series and black and white or whatever. But he would come in and just turn the TV off and say, it's time to go outside. And we would go yeah. outside and we would take a walk. And he was just an excellent human. He was great. Sounds like yeah. he was glass half full kind of guy. Totally an optimist. Hoping you have a good perspective, right? Totally an optimist. And that, you know, sort of like shaped, definitely shaped who I am today. Yeah. And your mom, um, she went on to, to study art herself. And I always think, you know, we always... I date myself as well, because when we talk about back in the day, not all moms were working or pursuing endeavors outside of being a mom and a wife. And she did. So what did you know when you were watching her do that? What were you thinking? I she would just go into a room and especially when we moved up to the new house, she had a studio and she would go in there and disappear for days. And I was like, where's mom? You know, but and at the time, I didn't realize that she was building her, you know, her career 
Um, but it was kind of cool to watch her, especially because my dad never really embraced art as like an actual career. Mm. But she know, always knew it was. Yeah. So as growing up as a kid, as a, as a little girl into an adult, I kind of could see how, you know, women can have careers and they can sort of like make their own way. And she still to this day is painting and she's super successful and showing at like the Harrisburg State, the Pennsylvania State Museum in Harrisburg and stuff like that and selling her painting for paintings for a lot of money. Yeah. So she's still doing great. Yeah. It's interesting. So dad was, you know, a finance guy and your mom was creative and you seem to have followed her path. Um, while, you know, for, let me go back for a minute. You went off to college and, yeah. and you majored in political science and French. Yes. Which I love. Yeah. So what were your aspirations at that time? What were you thinking you were going to be when you grew up? It's so funny because I, I just happened to be really good at French in high school. And I have no idea why, but I just couldn't get any less than 100% on every French test. Right? And like <laughs> it was like, I don't know what it was in my brain that made me good at French. Um, but I was. That's okay. okay. We're, yeah, we're going to go into a break. When we okay, come great. back, I want to hear more about that. I love okay. French as well, and now yeah. I can't speak a lick of it. So um, stay with be a part of the brain that French is I involved. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Stay, uh, stay with us for Dawn's ear of Nutrisystem for our CEO Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. CEO Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here with today's CEO Watch. Today, I want to speak about an important topic that is often brought up when talking about leaders and leadership, EQ versus IQ, emotional intelligence versus raw intelligence. Is one more important than the other? It's no secret that in order to get to the highest level of success, a person has to be intelligent, hardworking, and committed. In fact, according to a study published in Business Insider, Roughly 40% or more of billionaires, judges, CEOs, and senators score within the top 1% of cognitive ability. However, just because a person has a high IQ doesn't mean that they will make a great leader. Many argue, and I agree, that EQ or emotional intelligence is what separates the ordinary leaders from the extraordinary ones. If you've studied or met great leaders, you've probably noticed some leadership similarities. One, self-awareness. It's important to be very cognizant of how you come across to others and how your words and actions have impact. Be deliberate and read your audience. Two, adaptability. I'm a huge believer that to bring out the best in a person, you have to know what motivates them and adapt to them rather than the other way around. Great leaders don't have just one leadership style. They adapt to the individual. Three, availability. Gone are the days when leaders sit in ivory towers and rule from above. Effective leaders are approachable and make time to engage, interact, and get to know their teams, and they care on a personal level. Four, graciousness. The best leaders give broad credit to others and take ownership when things don't go right. They give positive feedback publicly and constructive feedback in private. And five, inspiration and influence. True leaders garner followership not because they're in charge, but because of their ability to influence and inspire others. And this is where the true difference between emotional intelligence and raw intelligence really plays out. Thanks, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier, here for CEO Watch. Have a great week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. 
In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. If you're just tuning in, I'm having a great conversation with Stacy Grant, the founder and CEO of KoiFly Creative. Um, let's ask you about KoiFly because I love the name, but people probably wonder where it came from. I should ask you that. Okay. Um, the shortened story is um, I wanted to honor my father and my husband's father, who's my partner in the business. So my dad um, died in 2010. And he, he had three children, including me and my sister. Actually, four children, including me and my sister. Sorry, sorry, Taylor. <laughs> and, my, and my little brother, Taylor, and my little sister, Allie. And, but also his other children were koi fish. He had, like, in the foyer of his house, a moat that had fish swimming in it. Like, wow. tons of koi fish. And are he, they the big orange? They get really big. Yeah. They're, like, this big because, right. I mean, like... Gia had said to me, let's let's give them away to clients as gifts. I'm like, no, they get they seriously get to be four feet long. <laughs> yeah, they don't go in a little zip. Yeah, you bag. can't they're not beta fish. Um so but he loved them like his children. So he would make me, especially, because I was the closest one that lived to him, feed these fish like all the time. He traveled all the time. So I would go feed these fish. And I'm like, Dad, I don't think they need to eat every day. Um so anyway, so he loved koi fish. And um so my brothers and sisters, when he died, all got tattoos of a koi fish. Mm. And I was like, hmm. I don't want to get a tattoo right now. You know, I feel like I'm getting a little older. The skin might kind of sag. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so I ended up naming my company after him, after Koi, Koi yeah. Fish. And then the fly part is my husband and my partner, he's a skydiver, and so he flies. But also his father worked on helicopters, Boeing helicopters, before he died. I think he died in, like, 1997. Um, um, so, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's it's story. really creative. It's, they're, it's, they're like it's our angels, cool you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. watching and over us. Yeah, I love that. Um, just before the break, we were talking about, you know, college, and I wondered what your aspirations were um, selecting political science as a major. Here's what happened. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Yeah. I could not pick a major in college. So I ended up going through, I did touch on communications, I did fitness management, I did all these things, and finally I went to my counselor, and I'm like, okay, I have all these French um, credits, and then I have all these other things, what could I fit into? Yeah. So she said, you could be a political science major and, and French major. I said, okay, great, let's do it. And then at the time, I'm like, all of my friends who were poli-sci majors went to law school. So I'm like, what I'll do is just go to law school. I'll be a lawyer because I have no idea what else I can do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't end up going to law school. I ended up going into sales. You did for a pharmaceutical industry. I started in printing. I sold printing. Um, it was super hard, but I went into this like sort of program where they brought women into an all-male organization. Mm-hmm. And they trained us because they had to for diversity, bring in more women. And so I ended up actually managing men like twice my age at like 24. Um, and it was, it was, it was dicey. It was interesting. Yeah. Dicey. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I would say it was pretty dicey. Yeah. Um, and then from there, um, I got out of the printing industry and I went into pharmaceutical sales and I did that for like three or four years. Then I sold biotech. Um, then I'm like, I have to get out of sales. I can't do it anymore. I'm burning out. So I mm. went back for, to interior design school. Okay. So I got my degree in interior design. So all the I'm thinking about what you what you're describing and wondering if you know throughout all those years were you feeling a sense of discontent and like this is I'm not yet doing what I you know 
am meant to be doing and what kind of fires me up. The weird thing is I was always really, really good at sales. Like I was always like number one in my region and number one, but I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like the actual act of selling. Um, I liked building relationships. I love that part of it, but I didn't like the sales part. I wasn't comfortable with that. And I was always trying to like move away from it. Mm -hmm. I tried to get into a creative field a few times, but it was so much less money and I needed money at the time. So Mm -hmm. I remember going to a recruiter and I was like, I really want to get out of this sales thing. I want to go into some sort of like a creative career. And she's like, well, I could get you this job for $19,000 a year, or I could get you this job for $72,000 base plus a company car, and you're going to make a bonus. Yeah. And so I... That's a lot to dangle in front of a 20-year-old right. or you were in your 20s. I mean, I had, I had the experience, yeah. and, I, and, and I knew I could do well in it, so I just, ended, I just kept ending up there. Mm. And when I went into interior design, I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm going to go into interior design, and I'm going to stop selling. And what happened was I had to sell my interior design. Right. Your own business? My own interior? business. Yeah. Yeah, well, I actually, it was my own business, but I also worked with a bunch of other designers as well at some point. Okay. Then I went into the agency world. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to go into the agency world. I can afford to take a pay cut. I'm going to do it. So I went into the agency world ended up leaving and deciding to go into my own consultant business where I had to sell. Yes. And so you know what is it's always selling, is it yeah, not? Right? It really no matter is. where we are it or really what is. we're doing. Now I'm at peace with it. I understand I have Koi Fly and I sell it. Yeah. That's what I do. So it's you know, Koi Fly is a production company, video production, mm-hmm. marketing. Um, I always think about and it's your own business. So yes. to me, when it takes a lot of courage to start your own business, particularly in a field where there's thousands of other companies doing the same kind of work, right? Yeah. You have to figure out how am I different. original, different. Right. Yep. Um, so first, I want to know where the, the guts to do that came from in you. Did you, were you a young girl full of confidence or did it develop over the years? I think someone once said to me, like, the thing about you is that you're just fearless. I just don't have fears when it comes to that stuff. And I think that stems back to my dad who kept telling me how, how awesome I was. Like, I once heard Tina Fey talking about how her parents, like, set her up for failure because they kept telling her how great she was and how beautiful she was. And <laughs> suddenly one day she realized that she was kind of pretty, but not like what, you know. But it does help. I mean, I think it just instills in you this confidence that you can do whatever you set your mind out to do. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I think that's what has happened. I think if I knew exactly how difficult it would be, I might not have jumped into it feet first mm-hmm. and how competitive it was. Yeah. I just didn't even think about it. Yeah. I think that's um, a good trait, though, to to kind of just assume that you will be successful and go for it, right? Because every every failure is another lesson learned anyway. Yeah, I just force gumped it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't even think about it. <laughs> you know, a lot of times, we actually got a question from one of our listeners. Um, her name is Kathleen Capriotti. And she asked, I think this is a great question, was there an event in your life that um, kind of shaped the woman you are today? We're going to take another break. I'll let you think about that for a few minutes, and we'll answer when we come back. Stay with us for our Health Watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie and Terry and Maggie for your Finance Watch. You're listening to Women to Watch. We'll be right back. Now, the Women to Watch Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Urinary tract infections, UTIs. The urinary tract includes kidneys, which filter the blood and make urine. Ureters are tubes that carry urine to the bladder. The urethra is a tube that sends urine from bladder to outside. Bacteria travel through the urethra causing a bladder infection or cystitis or up to the kidneys, pyelonephritis. UTIs are more common in women than men, but most bladder infections in women clear with a short course of antibiotics. Bladder infections in men may also affect the prostate and may need a longer course of therapy. 
Kidney infections may also need a longer course or sometimes a stay in the hospital. Bacteria live near the urethra in women and men who are not circumcised. Risk factors, having sex frequently, diabetes, men who aren't circumcised, a kidney stone may block flow in a ureter, or there may be a genetic predisposition. Symptoms, pain or burning with urination, frequency or urgency to go, blood in the urine, pressure in the lower belly. Kidney infection, look for fever over 100, pain in the lower back, above the waist, nausea or vomiting. Your doctor might prescribe antibiotics based on your symptoms if they're mild. Other times, a urinalysis looks for signs of infection, white blood cells. A urine culture identifies the exact bacteria and a specific antibiotic. These tests are done when we think there's a kidney infection, with infections that are frequent or don't clear easily, or with pregnancy. Be aware, sometimes elderly patients with a UTI have no urinary symptoms. Rather, they have fever, may be disoriented, because bacteria from urine enters bloodstream, causing sepsis, infection throughout the body. So divas, drink lots of fluid, and when you use toilet tissue, clean from front to back. That way, when your doctor says, are you feeling better? In your best French accent, say, oui, oui. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Maggie. And this is Terry. And we're from Fortis Wealth. We love talking about educating our children about finances early on. I came across these great tips for recent high school graduates by Ron Lieber, columnist for the New York Times. Start with a high-level budget conversation using a spreadsheet or app about who's paying for which expenses. This often opens up their eyes to the cost of living on their own, whether mom and dad are footing the bill or not. Think of room, board, phone, transportation, insurance, food, and extras. Then include student loans and a running tab of loan numbers and repayment information. Does your graduate have a bank account? Turn off overdraft protection to enforce budgeting and avoid fees, and also track what those fees are. Shop around if need be. Make sure the method of transferring funds to your child's account is seamless. This also leads to the next step, which is cybersecurity. Your teen should have a strong password and dual authentication when available. Young adults are often targeted for cyber fraud. Social security numbers should only be given when absolutely required. Parents don't often realize that their children, 18 and over, all have the grown-up privacy rights that come with the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA, and the power to make their own medical decisions. This can create challenges when a student gets sick or is incapacitated, and parents sometimes are shocked to find that paying tuition doesn't necessarily give them the authority or access to medical information. Have your child sign a HIPAA release form that authorizes you to access. General HIPAA releases exist on the Internet, but university health services or counseling offices may require their own proprietary forms. 
Is your child still on your insurance plan? Check to make sure there is an in-network doctor nearby and the campus clinic or infirmary will take your family plan. Is your child familiar with filling a prescription that he or she may need? Keep your teen in the know as all of the planning turns into action and educate them along the way to create a strong financial foundation. This is Maggie. And this is Terry. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I asked Stacey right before the break if there was um, an event in her life that kind of shaped who she is today. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about on the show about who we are today. How is that connected to our childhood? How is that connected to someone? And your dad obviously has had great influence in your life. And sometimes there's an event or an experience that changes our, you know, uh, perspective and outlook on life. Is there an event that you can remember um, that really has had an impact on you and, and changed a little bit for the better or worse of who you are? Well, there's a lot of different events in my yeah. life that have shaped me. I mean, the birth of my kids, obviously. Um, I was married and divorced. That shaped me in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, but but the, the most pivotal point in my whole life was when my father passed away. I mean, for sure, because I, I really relied on him for so many things, um, sort of, he, he had the answer to every question. Mm. He was my guide. He was my best friend. He was my buddy. He was my travel guy. Like he, you know, we wow. just, we had such a tight relationship. Um, and, you know, when he, and he, it was a shock when he died. And it wasn't that long, 2010? It was 2010. So, I mean, he was okay. Then he was coughing. And then he had mesothelioma. And he died within nine weeks. Wow. And we sat, my sister and I sat at his bedside in Boston because we brought him up to Boston for this, like, experimental surgery that didn't work, mm. um, and just watched him die. And it was like, it. I believe that it changed my personality in so many ways because I I just don't think I'm as light as I used to be. Like, I used to be, like, so silly and light, and I still have it, mm. but I think there's just a part of me that just got a tiny bit darker, but also a part of me that really had to fend for herself mm. because I relied on him so much. So I really learned through that how to to work on things on my own and you know and I can answer every question on my own I do actually talk to him still I yeah. do I do I do actually say okay dad what's the answer to this question and before I did that panel recently mm-hmm. I was like okay dad can you just sort of like inhabit my body so I can get through this and do a really good job because he was extremely charismatic um you feel him I do I yeah. try to like I have I have his leather coat in my closet and I'll put it on. Like, if I just need a little bit of a hug or something, yeah. I'll just Aww, put his leather coat on, that. you know. That's so nice. And he gives me a little hug. Yeah, that's so awesome. I would say that's the most yep. sort yeah. of, stands you know, out for you. Yeah. You know, that must have been hard because you describe your dad as this, you know, glass half full, this positive guy. So when that's taken away from you, um, it must be hard for you to understand. He set you up to, to be that person, though, right. also. And uh, to hear you describe yourself not as light just because I haven't known you that long, right. but I think of light when I think of oh, you. Oh, that's so, so nice. Yeah. You, you know, you really do portray that. Yeah. I, I really were, I've worked very hard to get my light back. You know yeah. what I mean? And, 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 it's, and, and it is there. It's yeah. still there. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like it was, I, I just changed immensely when he was no longer in my life. Yeah. You know, but... Let's um, let's talk a little bit about the business so our yeah. listeners know okay. what you do Great. and, you know, video production and marketing and advertising. Mm-hmm. I'm always interested in one in knowing how 
um, things have changed with technology for you and your field. How how is it easier, and some maybe sometimes how is it worse? Well, the technology that we use, um, you know, there's state of the art cameras that we use. They're they're a lot cooler. There's amazing lenses. You know, things that make things look really good. Um, there's all kinds of cool drones now, like the aerial mm, the yeah, drones that so we fly cool. around. In fact, I was just looking at one that's like a race car drone that, you know, you can actually, like, it'll, it'll fly really, really fast and, like, do these cool little turns and moves that I think would be kind of really interesting. They're expensive, though, right? Asset. Those aren't actually expensive at all because oh, they crash not... all the time. So, oh, so okay. they, those aren't bad. But the, and, you know, the drones really aren't the most expensive part of the business. Um, and then there's always different software updates and stuff like that, technology that um, sort of enhances what we do, like graphics, special effects, stuff yeah. like that that make it look really good. Tell me how you handle tough clients. <laughs> right? Because uh, some are demanding and some kind of give you free reign. What's I, your philosophy? I mean, when I was in, I was, when I was in pharmaceutical sales, I, they always sent me in to work with the tough doctors. You know, they always sent me in like, okay, Stace, you go try. Um, and I feel like I can, my personally myself, take the emotion out of working with clients who just want what, you know, the product to be perfect. Um, and also, I try to tell my team, you know, when we sit there and they're like, oh, this client is requesting something that's so outlandish. And I'll say, well, maybe they just don't understand. They just don't. They, they're afraid of this technology. Mm. They're spending a little bit of money here. And I think it's really our job to kind of explain to clients, like, this is how it works and you can trust us. So, I mean, I really try to, like, create a trust-based business so that I don't really I, and I don't really have tough clients. I've only had one that I have had to ask not to work with us anymore because we do have a no-jerk rule in my office. <laughs> That's a good rule. <laughs> clients, clients and employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, just, we try to make sure everyone is kind-hearted, and we try to lead with our hearts. Yeah, well, I've been in your office, and I can see that and feel that. It's genuine, yeah. Thank you. So what's your, then what, as a leader, because you're the, you know, they're all coming to you for for the final say on things. You have very talented people that, you. you know, I'm sure, and you're delegating. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it stems from the top. Um, so what's your leadership style or philosophy? I was thinking about that because I did see that question beforehand. And I feel like I really, really, really try hard to empower my people. Um, so I, I like to replace myself. So if I feel like I'm doing something too much, like who can come in and do the job that I'm doing so that I can get out and do something else? And um and I feel like if my people are empowered, then they're not asking me a ton of questions. They're not constantly checking in with me to make sure that what they're doing is right. And it's just easier. So that also comes with structure and letting them know what their roles are. Um, but I'm not, you know, we have flex time. You know, we have, you know, all paid time off all the time. And my people never take time off, you oh, know, but they have complete wow. paid time off. You've trained them well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They work hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to take one last break. Um, talking to Stacy Grant, the founder and CEO of Koifly Creative. Stay tuned for Mary Manzo for our Tech Watch and Hanadi Shahabuddin for diversity. We'll be right back. This is the Women to Watch Diversity Watch. Diversity Watch. Peace be upon you all. This is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment. When a peaceful heart is the focus of Islamic teachings, a practicing Muslim should become a source of peace to others. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was asked about a woman who prays additional night prayers, fasts in the day, and gives charity, but verbally hurts her neighbors. The Prophet answered, there is no good in her. The purpose of every act of worship is to elevate the person to higher moral grounds. 
if those practices are causing the person to increase in arrogance, then they're defying the original purpose. The mere definition of a Muslim, or the one who embraces the religion of Islam, is the one who people are safe from his hand and tongue, meaning a person that will not hurt others by words or acts, while the definition of a believer, which is a practicing Muslim, is the one who people trust on their wealth and lives. These two definitions by Prophet Muhammad give a clear parameters to Muslims. Today's prophetic ethic is being a source of peace to others, a person who people can trust and feel safe around. The greeting of peace for Muslims, Assalamu alaikum, or peace be upon you, is an affirmation of that ethic at every encounter and every farewell. This doesn't just apply to people who Muslims are on good terms with, but also to people who are ignorant and may be inflicting verbal harm. Listen to the specific instructions in this verse in chapter 25 in the Quran. Quote, the servants of the most gracious are those who tread the earth in humility, and when the ignorant speak to them, they only utter peace. End quote. Confronting ignorance with peaceful words and acts. These are the ethics that change hearts and promote understanding. May we be at peace with that truth. Don't forget to connect with me on HanadiSpeaksOut.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. CIOs may have great ideas, but if you can't get the IT talent, that's a growing problem, says Bob Miano, president and CEO of Harvey Nash USA. I read an article that suggested that recruitment issues will potentially harm IT modernization efforts. Recruiting more women into the technology industry can only help, but as I've discussed in the past, the participation of women in the technology industry has declined in the past 20 years. It is the one STEM discipline where the participation of women has not increased. Did you know that a lack of women in technology can lead to a decrease in performance and profits, creating a missed opportunity for businesses? Greater gender diversity in technology impacts businesses' bottom line, as research from Morgan Stanley indicates. Ensuring that there's a good balance of women leading and working in the workplace just makes for good business. A field experiment published in Management Science found that teams with an equal gender mix had better sales and profits than male-dominated teams. So, why does gender diversity lead to better performance? It's called collective intelligence. In other words, when you add women to a group, the presence of women leads to a higher collective intelligence, which in turn strengthens the group's ability to solve problems, build solutions, and come up with ideas. Higher gender diversity teams not only enjoy better returns, but companies that adopt gender diversity could more likely outperform companies that don't. If we're going to increase the amount of women in the technology industry, we have to start considering how we change our approach. It will require strategies that appeal to the values and lifestyles of women. I'd love to share your thoughts on this topic in a future segment, so please email me at mary at pathwayscg.com with your ideas and input. Now more of women. 
Um, I want to go back a little bit and talk more about you and who you are. And we talked a little bit about the business. And I will ask you about maybe an, an exciting project um, that you're most proud of or something you're working on. But I want to talk about um, when you feel in life the most content. Well, I really enjoy right now being with my kids. And um, I was just asked yesterday what would be the perfect gift. And the perfect gift would be feeling the freedom to hang out with my children you know, and, and, have, and having them want <laughs> to hang out with me because they're teenagers now. They're in college um, because it's just fun. It's fun watching them grow up and like start to become, a, you know, my son's 20 and my daughter's 18. So to yeah. see them start to become adults and yeah, it's be able a to whole hang different out. Relationship, oh, it's so it? much yeah. fun. And yeah. I just have to like hold myself back because, you know, they don't want me like all over them right yeah. now. So oh, I have yeah. to feel. Yeah. That's so that's, hard. I love that. But I also love going to spas. I love the beach. I love massages. I love yoga. Yoga. You do yoga. I love yeah. yoga. Yeah. yeah. When did you start the yoga? Started in 2004. So you've been doing been it a doing long it time. for a long time, off and on. And, and Bak- my Bikram. 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 Bikram yoga. Is that how it's pronounced? Bikram. Yes. It's in a room that's 104 degrees oh, at least. It's the hot heat, yoga. And then it's 50% humidity. Oh my gosh. But I've been in rooms like in Boston when my dad was sick. Like I was in a room that was 120 degrees. Like, and I love it. I oh, love, you do? I love it. I love yeah, the I heat. I get dizzy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not for every. That. It's definitely not for everyone. Yeah. But for me, it's like, it's just the best. It's, 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 a mir- it's a miracle. And when I walk out of there, I feel like I've had a full body massage, facial. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. So um, if I were to ask you, when do you feel most insecure? seems to me like you do all the right things to keep yourself in check, relaxed, balanced, right? But when, you know, when are you feeling insecure? Well, I would say, like, physically not so much anymore. I just kind of, like, you know, I feel I feel pretty good most of the time. But, you know, the thing that's the hardest for me is playing video games. <laughs> I'm Wait, not, are you competitive? I'm not kidding. No, but, like, I, I try to play. Like, my husband plays, my son plays, and I just – I have that – Fine motor skills, they just don't work. Those tiny little motor skills don't work for me. Um, I would love to learn how to edit so I could help out the editors on my team, but I just, you know, because I can see it in my head, I just can't. I can't do it myself. So at least not the way they can, for sure. Right. Anywhere near. (laughs) Um, Listen, something you're involved in outside of work is Pipeline Angels, Mm -hmm. which is an organization that invests in women-owned businesses. Diverse tell, women-owned businesses, yeah. Okay, tell me about that. How long have you been doing that, and, and what's your experience? I think it's been, been about them? five years that I've been with them, and I've gone, what happens is they have pitch summits, and they bring in women that they have, or women-owned businesses that they've vetted, and most of them are diverse. Like, I'm pretty much um, the only, like, Caucasian woman in, in my group, and I'm in the New York group, so it's it's diverse women investing in, in diverse women. And I guess what, what they feel like is, like, you invest in someone that looks like you, so for these women that are just starting out with companies, they come in with these cool ideas and they go to a, a boardroom full of venture capitalist white males and they're not buying from them. Mm. Um, so it's, it was, it's been a great education for me on how to invest. It's been really fun. Yeah. Tell me why, why do you think it's important? Because a lot of what we do here and, you know, and what the show is about is encouraging women to step into leadership. But what, why? You know, people ask me, why do you do a show just for women and about women? Right. And I know why. I want to do that. Why do you think it's important that we support women and that we see more in top positions? What is it going to do for the world? I just believe, and I think it's happening now. Like, I think, like, so much more so than when we were younger. Like, I see women, it's not even a question for my daughter. She knows she can run a company. Um, but, you know, when, when I was younger, you know, my dad would be like, oh, you should be a school teacher or, like, you know, something, or go into real estate and sell houses. And I was like, that's not my gig. Um 
But I, I feel like it's important for us to just be the same as men, you know. And I know we're not physically, but um, but we're a WBENC, you know, a woman-owned national council of business, right? Certified, know, certified. right? Right. Um, and in the beginning, I'm like, mm, I'm not sure this is even necessary. Why are we doing this? But when I'm around these women, these certified women businesses, and there's this like freedom and safety to just like network and like try to close deals, you know, that you mm-hmm. don't necessarily feel when you're around a, in a group of men, you know, that you can just be like, hey, let's close a deal together. Like, but with the women, we're just unapologetically like trying to close deals and network with each other and giving out, you know, our business cards and yeah. trying to help each other. And it's, it's, I get it now. Like, I, I, I understand why we should be a certified women-owned business. Yeah. I think just because historically there was a time when we didn't have all of the support and resources, right, and kind of champion uh, championing, champion women. Mm-hmm. Um, and today it is different. You know, my daughter too, she, right. she kind of shakes her head at things I talk about, you know, yeah. that were in the past and which is so great. Love it. It's so exciting for them. Um, tell me what you advice you would give to a startup. There's a lot of great young women entrepreneurs out there and they're not in a place yet where they can afford and invest in a full blown marketing campaign. What kind of things can they do at this point? I would say the most important thing and the thing that I didn't do in the beginning that I do a lot of now because we've been in business for almost four years is reach out to mentors, as many as you can. And just like sit down with whoever you can, anyone in leadership in business who is like at a different level that you are because you just learn so much and you get so inspired. And if it's a woman-owned business, that's even better if you're a woman, you know. And we do help each other. We really do. So if someone were to reach out to me, I'd be really – it would be an awesome experience for me to help and mentor someone myself. Um, but in terms of like some sort of like promotional materials or marketing, um, if you don't, if they don't have the budget, I yeah. would say like you can do user generated content, you know, so do as much user generated content as you can. Just make sure it doesn't look really bad. What does that mean for people who don't know um, user generated content? So that would be like um, if you, you wanted to do some sort of content for your show, you picked up your cell phone and you just, you know, took your own videos of, you know, what's around here. It took your own oh, photographs okay. of what's on here. So that's called... Yep. Because you're the user, yes, so it's gotcha. user generated. Yeah, yeah. So create things for themselves. Create things for themselves, yeah. and then maybe they can go to someone like me or my company and say, "Hey, can you help me edit that?" Yeah. So that it looks more professional. Yeah. Um, if there's not a lot of money in the budget, that's normally what I suggest. Tell me about um, a project that you're, you know, is at top of your mind that you were just proud of. You know, that was really exciting for you, and you felt turned out just the way you wanted. We, um, we've done a couple that are really fun. Um, a couple that stand out to me that we've won is um, working with Infinity, the car company. We worked through Philadelphia Magazine, but we competed against a lot of really big production companies to get that job, mm-hmm. and we had to submit our ideas, our storyboards, our treatments, and every, you know, our budgets, and everything had to be just perfect for us to get the job. We got the job, and we subsequently got a lot more work from Philadelphia Magazine, and hopefully some more Infinity work as well. Um, and then we're also working with Saxby's right now, which is a local, you know, really good coffee, by really the way. good coffee yeah. company. But they're not Shout just, out they're Nick. not just about coffee. They're so inspirational. Yeah. And Nick Bear inspires me so much with what he's doing for social impact with his experiential learning program. Um, we're doing a brand anthem for them. And I just saw a rough cut and I'm so stoked about it. Like oh, it great. looks beautiful. It sounds beautiful. Um, so those are two like fun projects. But we've got a ton of them. Yeah. So I guess you're spending a lot of time um Sometimes you're pitching, right, to land a job, and other times people are coming to you and saying, here, I need your help. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of both. You know, we word of mouth mostly is how we're getting our jobs, but I'm also out there all the time pitching capabilities presentations, panel discussions. We're yeah. going to do some lunch and learns. Like, yeah. I just try to get out there and yeah. explain who we are because we're in a competitive industry. So and this I is a to. fairly small community, too. I think it's it's easy to find places to go and, and, and be out there among the people and talk about who you are and what you do. Yeah, and because it's hard to break into in Philadelphia. I originally was I didn't do any work in Philadelphia for the first two years that I worked here. I was because we're all over the country. Yeah, yeah. So we can do everything everywhere. Just that that's the end of the show. No, yes, so much it fun. Is. Oh, thank you so much <laughs> for coming in, and we'll be sure to share your information uh, and the podcast with our listeners. Thank you so Thanks, much, Susan. Stacey. This has really been a blast. That's it for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much to my sponsors and contributors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.